Hello, I'm Mystic Malachi, joining Mike and Austin for the Salty Witches podcast. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, we we are very excited to have you on the podcast uh, again. Very excited to be here. You've been on the podcast before. It's been, been a little while. God, Mike, I'm trying to remember. I think it was like middle of the year last year. It's been been roughly a year, hasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, about a year. Yeah, and so it's it's wonderful to have you back on. And um, yeah, and I think that we have a, a really interesting topic tonight we're going to be talking about um spiritual practice in in times of hardship um and i wanted to have your voice on this topic um because you with what with what i see you sharing on your social media feeds the information that you're putting out there um you're you're really good i think at presenting information that is um holistic that is um, really beneficial, I think, to people, particularly when you're looking at people who are maybe navigating uh, periods of time in their lives where there's a lot of tr change, a lot of transition. Like, I think I've, I've seen you uh, share information or speak on that a few times. Um, and so I thought uh, that, and, and then obviously just, just the basis of much of your spiritual practice, I'm like, like your voice is going to be a good one for this. Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, so with that, I mean, I want to say, you know, let's, 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 Let's dive in. You know, we don't want to keep you too long there um, or, or on, on the podcast here. So um, I guess where I wanted to kind of start is um, talking a little bit about the benefits of spiritual practice. And by spiritual practice, I really I want to kind of focus on like consistent, you know, like this, you're doing this regularly. You know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of people, um, particularly uh, with, you know, the, uh, contemporary, uh, you know, trendiness of particular practices, spiritual practices. I think a lot of people, they pick up something and they do it once or twice, and then it kind of gets, you know, kind of cast to the side, right. You know, cause they're moving on to the next thing or it doesn't, you know, manifest a miracle for them immediately. Right. Um, we've got spiritual ADHD, a lot of us these days. Um, so with consistent spiritual practice though, can you, see or, or or is there something that you could maybe share your opinion on um the benefit of consistent spiritual practice uh just in helping us to navigate our day-to-day -day lives absolutely i mean so my background is on this sort of uh broad spectrum of buddhist hindu uh tantra uh so there's a lot of philosophy the kind of once you have certain viewpoints you see the world from a very different place yeah. um you're able to tackle things understanding the world in a different way um i mean even just like the four noble truths of uh buddhism mm -hmm. are an incredible and easy way of going oh, okay so life is harsh and we need to live in it and how do we do that well there's a path laid out for you it's very simple um, the Buddha was very meticulous in, in his teachings about suffering or dukkha, uh, which is, it's actually closer to, um, discontent in meaning and how we suffer so much from just the simplest discontent, discontents. Yeah. So having the right viewpoint kind of leads to experiencing life in a different, in a different manner. Mm-hmm. That's how I approach spiritual practice on a daily basis is that view. Mm -hmm. It's the most it's the fundamental. Yeah. 
Well, and it's so important to have that that type of view in any form of spiritual practice because if you get caught up in the would ofs, could ofs, and should ofs, or what ifs, then it it, it, it seems like it can be potentially uh, stagnating for anyone who's in a spiritual practice. You know, how many times have we had people come in and they're like, oh, well, I was really into my spiritual practice. And, and then like, you know, how many conversations have you had? And they're like, and I just haven't really done anything for years. And you're like, what, what? And a lot of it comes down to they, they were trying to pick and choose things because they were following that idea that, you know, you can kind of do whatever you want in spirituality. And it's not that that's incorrect, but it's also not like that's, a hundred percent correct either. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, we always ask them, well, you're trying to get back into this. What basis do you have? And the first thing they're reaching for is the encyclopedia of spells by Judica Isles. And (laughs) they think that that's going to get them back into their spiritual practice. And so I always ask them, you know, what's your grounding practice look like? What's your mindfulness practice looks like, which Mm kind of leads us down to this, uh, next question. Well, before we move on to that though, because I want to say, I think mystic Malachi, I think, you were you were sharing something there. I think that is really significant, and I want to kind of just go back to that really quickly before Austin kind of kind of asks you this his next question here. Um, you you talked a lot about the belief, yeah. Uh, you know, and so much of what we're gonna we've kind of have you know kind of focused on so much you know in this particular episode is the practice, and I think that a lot of people, depending on how they come into these. Uh, whatever, whatever the spiritual tradition may be, whatever it may be. I think a lot of people, they get very caught up on how to do the thing, but they don't take the time at the beginning to really figure out, do I believe in the thing? Yes. Um, you know, and so I think that you touched upon something really important there, you know, having a belief and taking the time to sit down and actually figure out how do I feel about this? Is this something that I can put my faith behind? Is this something, you know, what, you know, whatever that conversation looks like, um, is I think so important because yeah, you know, you've you've got to be able to have some faith. You've got to be able to put belief in these things if they're really ultimately going to be of benefit to you. Otherwise, you're just kind of going through the motions. Um, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. the way the way it's kind of taught in the in the tradition, um, especially the Buddhists. So the the Hindu tradition, and I'm I'm using the word Hindu very broadly. We we've discussed how that's not really a good term, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that tends to be the the Hindu side tends to be um, theistic, so they have uh, a deities, um, certain beliefs. Belief is a structure in itself, but the Buddhists aren't theistic. They're actually they reject any belief that doesn't have grounding in reality. Mm-hmm. So if you can break it down fully to its core, then it's not true. It's not it's not real and doesn't help you in the long run. Yeah. Um, so though the core understanding in buddhism for for me as there are many forms of buddhism Mm. um i always go back to in in times of strife to the three poisons um i don't know if you're familiar with the three poisons Mm. please please go ahead go share those for for the benefit of our listeners yeah i think yeah it would be good to talk about those perfect okay so um it's essentially every form of suffering can be boiled down to one of three things to one of three core issues of the human experience and that is uh delusion attachment and aversion so when you don't want a thing you know you are repelled by it um 
you you don't like pain you don't want to experience pain you don't want to experience loss you have an aversion to that feeling mm -hmm. um when you are grasping and attaching to someone something and therefore you suffer when you lose it or you suffer in the idea that you might lose it uh and then the delusion itself is the kind of the the very very core of them all is having the wrong viewpoint on life so believing that you are something you're not or believing that certain ideas that have been passed on to you are true when actually they are kind of not um and we can point to certain new age practitioner practitioners and practices at the moment um which are very deluded yeah I, yeah i was gonna say yeah but we, we use terms like um you know spiritual psychosis and spiritual mm -hmm. bypass and these kinds of things yes but you're absolutely right i mean it does go back to like that that core concept of of a delusionment that happens yeah yeah, yeah. Huh. all right thank you thank you for elaborating on those yeah because um i think that those are um if you if you can take things down to something like that which is i think the beauty of something like buddhism is you can take things down to like these are these core these foundational kinds of, of philosophies and, and beliefs um, mm -hmm. And there's so much power, even though they're really, they're very simplistic. Um, there's so much power behind those things. Like you really, you can absolutely like that, that can be the foundation of an entire spiritual practice. Um, yeah. So, all right, cool. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. Thank you. Um, so we always ask like, how, what's your grounding practice like? What, what, what are these things like? And mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, someone comes back and they go, oh, what? And they have no idea what you're talking about. Or if you do mention grounding, they think that it's something that it really truly isn't. So how can spiritual practice help to keep us grounded, uh, present, and able to move through serious difficulties? I mean, that is a, a big question. <laughs> yeah, it is, oh, it is. Yeah. You can kind of approach it from so many angles. And because my practice is a hodgepodge naturally. It's not like I choose it to be hodgepodge, but it is um, kind of a melting pot of ideas um, by its very nature. I mean, I always return to yoga and I don't mean the Western modern postural yoga. <laughs> yeah. Actual uh, yoga practices. So the pranayama, so the, uh, we call them breathing techniques, but they are more about connecting with the universal energy uh, and the bodily's energies uh, because you ground yourself in this moment as you're breathing and you ground yourself in the in the energy flow within the physical body and the subtle body which is happening all the time without your conscious thought but when you consciously place yourself there there's there's nothing else around you that matters right there's no uh i don't know whatever's going on in your life kind of takes a step back um so for me yoga practices uh oh uh feeding the goddesses of the senses is a beautiful uh way to to be present and to just to bring everything down mm -hmm. by connecting to each sense um like you're, you're basically throwing yourself at each sense completely there's nothing else in existence but that sensation at that moment in time yeah which i love that one that one's great Mm -hmm. Very centric in nature. Yeah. 
So, so what are what are your thoughts on? Um, I guess I guess in in looking at that, you know, and and, and kind of maybe you know uh, you know fleshing that out potentially to a wider spectrum of practices um, for mm-hmm. different spiritual traditions. Um, one of the things that I have found really beneficial over the years, again with a consistent spiritual practice of any kind, particularly around um, concepts like grounding, uh, remaining present, being centered in what you're doing in the here and now right? Uh, your perception of the here and now, right? I think that um, that really, I think, is is um, one of the biggest challenges that so many people run into when they're looking at, again, particularly in the context of, of difficulty, you know, uh, in their lives, mm-hmm. times of hardship, struggle, these kinds of things. I think it's, it's very easy in those moments to get caught up in the way that we react to challenge and difficulty. Um, and in the process of, of kind of some of that chaotic energy, that chaotic nature, we um, like we forget ourselves, we lose ourselves, right? In those moments, we we become ungrounded or untethered, and um, and it can really do a lot, I think, to affect the way that we respond to hardship in our mm-hmm. lives. You know, we we kind of we give up or we relinquish uh, at least self control in those moments. Um, and so I like what you're, you know, in, in talking about some of those specific practices, I think that, would you agree that those are things that can help uh, some certain, you know, just, just a couple of examples of things that can help if you're doing them consistently, that can help you to maintain that sense of personal control, even as you are navigating something that can be very difficult for you? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I teach these all the time to, to people that are suffering from anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. where you can it's it it's not about like removing yourself from the situation because the situation is still there right you you're still anxious about something that may happen um you're still depressed about something that did happen and and that's how it's seen in the tradition um whenever you are living in the past we call it depression whenever you are living in the future we call it anxiety anxiousness Mm -hmm. yeah um and those two states are not real. They are delusions because the only state that exists is the here and now. So to ground yourself in the senses, what are you seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching? Um, what is your breath doing? How is the expansion of the chest and the sensation of the air moving through your nostrils? How does it feel? Ground yourself in this moment entirely. Your thoughts pass by without you grasping onto ideas because you're so concentrated on that um, single point, whatever that, whichever technique you prefer, because we're all different. Um, Like I've not found anything more beneficial in a moment of strive than to return to the body. In in Tantra, we, so in in yoga practice, we tend to uh, remove ourselves from the body. We want to escape the body and escape um the cycle of reincarnation that is what yoga is all about tantra is all about engaging with the body it's being part of the world instead of escaping it so the body is used as a tool what am i feeling um and what what sensation am i getting from the idea the delusion of that let's say i don't know something huge has happened in your life and it's all you can think about so what's what sensation do you gain in your body like is your gut wrenching uh are you uh are you nervous physically shaking do you struggle to breathe deeply so you feel the physical sensation of the problem and then you deal with that at the root um 
so the idea is that um, from the sort of ethereal, let's call it, even though that's not really a word that we use in, in Tantra and, and yoga and things, but let's say from the ethereal to the physical, everything sort of slowly manifests to more physical and therefore the other way around. So if there's a idea, a mental construct, it'll have a physical sensation eventually. And what you want to do is you want to turn it back from the physical away, away from reality. Um, and you do that by engaging with the body. Gotcha. Okay. Hmm. These are techniques that are actually used in a lot of uh, psychotherapy. Well, mm -hmm. it's, funny, it's funny you go there because I was just going to say it's fascinating how these things overlap because we, you know, in our, like just speaking a bit on, you know, on what Austin and I do typically uh, with the traditional witchcraft that we, we kind of live and teach, um, that that concept of bringing things back to the physical is something that we talk to people a lot. We talk to people a lot about like, like bring it back to your body, bring it back mm -hmm. to your body. You know, um, you know, if you're having a difficult time with the energetic, if you're having a difficult time with you use the term etheric, which I think is is certainly applicable, um, you know, uh, the spiritual, whatever, whatever the terminology may be. Absolutely. Like we if you can bring it back to the physical experience, I think that that can do so much to help us, particularly in that tricky moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the other things to kind of move us forward, and again, kind of for the benefit of our listeners, you know, just maybe qualifying some specific situations. So say, you know, we've lost a job, say, you know, maybe we've had a relationship come to an end, there's some some other difficulty, maybe we've lost someone that we love, right? And we're dealing with a, a, a moment of grief. Um, what What is your, what, should, what would you have to say around um, spiritual practice and concepts like uh, just acceptance? You know, we've talked a lot about being present and I think a huge component of being able to really be present is kind of like looking at what we're dealing with and just being able to come to a moment of acceptance. Like this, this is what this is. Yes. Uh, tower moments as I like to call them. Yeah. Uh, so I've actually, the way, the way I, I viewed this, this question is if you, if you already have a regular practice and then something big happens, a tower moment happens you, you because your life has become more chaotic or or the the day-to-day -day, uh, structure has changed it's very easy to drop off having that um that constant practice that daily practice or however often you do it um so my first thing is okay did you have a practice beforehand oh yes i did well do it because as soon as you step away from it all the benefits that you've been gaining from it aren't going to be there. You're going to mm -hmm. be missing or um, lacking the structure that gave you already in a, in a more turbulent world. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, sorry, I tend to be quite um, aggressive with my uh, my compassion. Oh, no, you, you don't need to worry about that with us. <laughs> well, no, yeah, I've noticed that you're, you're the same, so I, I love it. Um, <laughs> I think we we all we all deal with these things differently. I, um, so there are there's this idea in yoga uh, that we're all different, but we all fall into four or five camps of path for spirituality. Whether it's like you you're a karmic path, so you like to do things, uh, make action in the world, change the world for the better, or whether you are bhakti. Um, 
devotional, you you surrender to a higher power, et cetera, et cetera. So my path is Jnana path, is the the path of study and uh, inquiry and um, discovery. So it, during a Tower moment is when I have my deepest studies, is when I jump into the most hardcore esoteric practices I can find, because that's what helps me. My spirituality is study itself study of the mind as well as the um spiritual mm -hmm. you will so when when we have these tower moments i'd say okay first look back look look at the situation um is this tower moment which of the three poisons is, is acting upon you right now so are you are you aversion do you have an aversion to what's happening or have you attached yourself to a certain person or, or job as you said mm -hmm. um struggling to let go so we deal with that root what is the root problem the root problem is attachment you i don't know maybe you're a police person um and you you identify as a police person i'm gonna use the neutral gender there yeah um you identify as that. And now that you no longer have that, who are you? You're, you're not this police person anymore. You are Joe Blocks, whatever your name is, mm -hmm. um, outside of that. So you have disconnected from the idea of who you are. Uh, and that's a huge blow to the to the ego. So um, again, yoga has this idea that there are three parts to the mind. The manas is the, the part of the mind that takes in information, all of the senses. Mm -hmm. um, Bibhuti helps us calculate and make ideas. Uh, this is the intellect. And the, the ahamkara is the ego self, your attachment to a persona that you have created for yourself. Uh, all of these are not who you are, basically, is what yes. it says. Mm -hmm. You are consciousness itself, unbound, uh, blissful in its, in its nature, capable of perceiving and interacting with anything and everything all at once. So if you were a police person and you lost your job and you're no longer a police person who are you well nothing's actually changed you are still perfectly divine in your conscious awareness um you just happen to identify as something you weren't so it's a delusion mm -hmm. you found your poison that was delusion now you work from the idea of i know the root cause of the problem i can unravel the issue that is that is my my way of tackling a tower moment at least no i know I, I again i i can see a lot of of value and truth to that and again in looking at the way that those concepts overlap um you know i think really that that's a, a foundational piece of a lot of what uh more contemporary practitioners you know like we, we talk about things like shadow work you know mm -hmm. um you know the, these kinds of these very deep introspective kinds of kinds of uh components of, of spiritual practice, you know, um, and that's, yeah. So once again, I, th I think it's, it's amazing how these kinds of concepts pop up in different ways, different approaches, but, you know, but they are, they do seem to be, I think, um, you know, fairly universal. It's, it's, it's very yeah. cool just to kind of see that. Mm -hmm. um, well, that, that's something that I always have my students analyze as well. And people that I mentor is, is like, okay, so we've all been through trauma in one, one form or another. And yep. I usually ask, it's usually the people who are just constantly presenting their trauma out there and just, well, this happened to me. Okay. Well, it happened to you, but is that who you are? Exactly. And so 
I actually had this conversation with someone who was trying to go through the process of joining the coven. And I had a conversation with her. I said, okay, so you keep falling back on my trauma, my trauma, my trauma. And my question to you is, who are you without your trauma? Your trauma is most definitely something that makes up part of you, but it's not all of who you are. You're more than that. So if you were to release that trauma, if you were to actually do the work to heal and cope and incorporate that, who would you be when you stop letting this thing define who you are? And it just made her sit there and just stare at me like, what? I couldn't do that. It's right, because you've never wanted to let it go. You want to hold on to it because you have an attachment to it. And if mm -hmm. you can release that attachment, then you'll find a whole other realm of growth that you you would not have been able to access if you just continued to hold on to this weight that is holding you down. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, which begs the question, what if we become seriously ill? whether it be something like a cold, COVID-19, or a more long-term ailment, such as cancer, HIV, uh, MS, Parkinson's, uh, how might we be able to maintain better life balance with spiritual practice? I'm very interested in hearing this because I'm someone who has a chronic illness um, that just comes and goes and comes and goes. And mm -hmm. I, I always have people who present this this reason or excuse to me, well, I can't do that because of this thing. And it always just baffles my mind. Cause I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, those well, are the same. people that seem like they would, could benefit the most from a, these kinds of practices. Exactly. And, and yet they use the very thing that could really benefit as a, as you know, as a limitation exactly. to avoid doing these kinds, this kind of work. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, other, I, I say wrathful compassion here. We have to shake them. Mm -hmm. there, there are many tales of uh, the Buddha being so, so compassionate and so kind in certain situations. But what they don't tell you is that there's also many stories of uh, Buddhas, not just the historical Buddha, but, um, and priests and monks shaking people out of their identification with an issue um i was i'm really happy that you mentioned things like hiv because us as as queer men we it, it's a huge part of our of our world right yeah. it's, it's a mm -hmm. part of our collective um identity so yes it can it can be a limitation and okay nowadays we have generally we can live a, a long perfectly healthy life um generally Mm -hmm. but it's still a huge deal it's still a, a a change you you take on that mantle and you take on that personality of i am now this thing i i now have this thing and it's part of me and it can never change though true your identification with it can cause you again it's that delusion of identification mm -hmm. will cause suffering uh so wrath or compassion shake them Shake them, shake them, shake them. <laughs> because okay. we can we can use that as a bypass, can't we? We can sort of go, okay, I have this limitation. I don't know. Perhaps um, there's a physical uh, disability where I can't do, I can't dance. I mean, I'm in a wheelchair. I cannot dance. But when music 
moves through you it's not just your legs that make you dance you move your entire body right you can mm. bob you can wave your arms and you have the same ecstatic uh expression even if you have physical limitation and all these physical illnesses are just that this is one aspect of what you truly are um if you let that if you let your physical body limit all the other aspects of you then you're not expressing the totality of the divine being that you are you're just expressing this small um almost harmed uh wounded version of you mm -hmm. yeah uh, sometimes justified i understand but we can bypass can't we oh absolutely yeah we, we all do yeah well i mean a really good example we have a coven sister wendy who's been on the podcast and um wendy has like basically no spine base wow well, she, mm -hmm. she, she, has, she has a degenerative uh uh health issue with with her with her spine and yeah. and like she's she showed us the the are they MRIs? No, not MRIs. X-rays. X-rays and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, even the doctors are like, how do you move? Mm -hmm. And Wendy's response is, I enjoy these things. When I'm doing these things, I'm not in pain. So I move. I do it. And she's like, I might feel it the next day. But those few moments of allowing myself to be outside of the body or so in the body that I'm so wrapped up in what's going on that I, I find some sense of freedom and I can identify with that. You know, I, I have fibromyalgia and some days are better than others. And there are days where I, where, where the air hurts my body. And then there are other days where I'm fine. But in those moments of magical practice in those moments of spiritual practice, it's no longer about um, the pain that, is there it's about i want this i'm going to move past this because i know it is possible and for those few moments that i can release that it feels like days and so when i hear people who are like oh well i have a lower back pain or a headache and i'm just like and you're gonna stop that from letting you actually get into it yeah you're gonna allow that to prevent you well i i, I love um Malachi's, you know, the, the term wrathful compassion. I, I love think it. That that's that's something that's that we me. that's something that we all need to. I think all of <laughs> our listeners as well. I think that's something that we all need to be cultivating a bit more uh, in mm -hmm. our lives. I think, and also in addition to, um, I could see benefits to that in not only uh, not only approaching some of the conversation, you know, some of the things we've been talking about, kind of with that that perspective with the wrath, wrathful compassion, but also I could see that wrathful compassion could be an effective means of also helping to assert boundary. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. to be in this modern world with the rise of quote-unquote spirituality mm -hmm. and you know the, you know the spiritualities that i mean here yeah. um is <laughs> this sort of loving holding your hand through difficult times and um i don't know flowers and doves and and bunnies 
Right. Yeah. And it can be all those things. You know, sometimes you need cotton wool around you because mm -hmm. everything hurts. Right. Yeah. yeah. But other times you just got to jump straight into that, that pit of fire because it's the only way forward and it's the best course of action. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes as practitioners, we have to put people to view the world, to see reality. Um, this is kind of why I'm, so I do a lot of readings mm. um, as part of my my job. And I can't say I'm very popular because of it. I, I hold the mirror <laughs> to people and go, this is you right now. Can you see you? You see your stupidity. Uh, and they don't like that. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, well the, one of the best forms of compassion, I, I, I like that term wrathful compassion, because one of the best forms of compassion is truth. And truth hurts a lot of people. Mm -hmm. If you have someone who's claiming, I'm this strong, independent person who doesn't need anyone to do anything, and I'm this, and I'm so powerful, and you sit there and you hold up the mirror and you go, really, you can't even order your own food or make your own doctor's appointment. How are you so independent? Yeah. Yeah. And these are no. generally the people that, that go and essentially ask God for help in whichever form that is. But it's, mm -hmm. it's pray to an external being for for everything because I I'm too scared to open my mouth or, or step forward. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that, that wrathful compassion sometimes is the best medicine and it's mm -hmm. sometimes the nastiest medicine, but it's medicine that needs to be taken nonetheless. Absolutely. It's bitter, but it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. As you were sharing that, those details about your, your, the way that you read for the people that come to see you, I was, I was getting a bit of a giggle on that because, um, I think that that would be, uh, comparable to Austin and I as well. Um, I was, yeah, yeah, we, we are, um, I, I wouldn't, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, you said that you're, you're not as popular because of the method that you read, but that there's a part of me that would be like, I, I would, would hope that that would actually make you more popular as a practitioner um because who wants to pay a bunch of money to go and, and get uh some sort of spiritual service or a reading with someone who's basically just gonna, gonna smoke up your ass yeah who's gonna gonna lie to you and tell you everything that you want to hear or sugarcoat your entire life to the point that they're telling you that there's nothing wrong um so i don't know so that's that's too bad but i can i can absolutely relate to that because we we tend to kind of approach our clients in the mm -hmm. same way well i mean uh, i i I had an experience the other day where someone came to get a reading for me and I don't do many readings anymore. Hmm. I have my set kind of group of clients who enjoy the way I read and trust me because they know that they're going to come to me. I'm going to give them the report and that's that. Well, this person sat down and they've only ever gotten readings with one of our other readers in the shop who everyone thinks is the mean reader. Oh, they, well, if they think if they think that reader is the mean reader, then that means they haven't met you yet. Exactly. And so they sit down and she's sitting here talking about all this stuff that's going on. And I pull cards and I, and I open up and I'm talking to spirits. I'm like, OK, well, everything that's happening around you is uh, an external factor. And you're the one who's choosing to react like a bitch. So you're choosing to react this way, which is just causing this collide, this, this domino effect. And if you continue to choose this path you're always going to have trouble you're always going to have trouble always 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 if you can just step back and decide that you don't need to throw fists because someone looked at you funny you're going to have a better time in life you if you choose a more peaceful route you're going to find more peace in your life but you continue to choose 
the path where you struggle and you fight. And she looked at me and her friend was with her and her friend was like, do you want to tell them about the bar we were at last night? (laughs) And I was like, you don't need to tell me. Someone looked at your man, you got all jealous and feisty and you threw fists and you all, you all got kicked out. They didn't know that I saw that in the cards. And I said that and she was just like, oh my God, you are psychic. And then to, to try and ask me if I, to try and prove if I was wrong or not, she asked me to to, to guess her weight and I guessed it spot on. Um, and she was just like, oh my God. Rag. And I was just like, you need to stop being mean. If you continue to be this way, it's going to just always be a struggle for you. Maybe try shutting your mouth once in a while and listening. Absolutely. I think a lot of people that end up getting going to readers for for a reading really just want their issues solved. They don't really want answers. They want, oh, how do I get this back? Or how mm-hmm. how can I get this? Which, yes, we can sometimes do, but it's not necessarily what information they really need so when they come in and they're the issue and the cards or i i use lots uh and bones and things so mm-hmm. when the bones say you're the problem all i can be all i can say is you're the problem fix it like you're only suffering because you're an idiot yeah and this is how you're an idiot let me help you get out of this idiocy mm-hmm. but uh, humans yeah, well, yeah. Well, I could say I maintain and for those of you who are who who listen to this episode, yeah, if you if you are someone who is in the the habit of going and meeting with spiritualists, with practitioners, you're getting readings, these kinds of things. Um yeah, I, I want you to I want to encourage you to make make time, make make an appointment, do 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 yourself a real favor and go and meet with someone like Mystic Malachi, who's going to mm. actually give you good information, who's going to look at the situations that you're presenting, look at you as an individual based off the information coming up in that the process of that reading and actually give you some truth, even if it's not necessarily what you want to hear. Um, because that's the only way you're ever really going to benefit from an experience like that. Yeah. Um, I agree. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. So we, we've talked a little bit, uh, or, or, or so far today, we've talked a lot about um, difficulties, hardships, challenges, these kinds of things that I would um, probably qualify, you know, kind of being maybe a bit more personal. Um, but I, I also wanted to see if we could talk a little bit about, um, I guess, what, what you would consider maybe like social kinds of, of, of difficulties or hardships. You know, I think that we all of us are trying to make life work in a world now that that very often whether it be uh you know environmental challenges economic political you know whatever whatever they may be right we we all i think are trying to navigate uh, a, an external environment around us that can seem very hostile at times um so um would you have any any suggestion or, or any kind of advice or information to share maybe on how spiritual practices of whatever kind could could really be of benefit in helping us to deal with the external things like it's not you know, like maybe it's not personally our problem but it's a problem that everybody in our community is kind of dealing with mm-hmm. i mean beside eating the rich yeah, well that's always an option right yeah i i'm i'm, I'm all for that one bring out yeah. the guillotines absolutely oh god yeah i say this on a regular basis it's i'm a broken record but um spiritually speaking <laughs> um wrathful compassion i'm just gonna say the same thing over and over again today um you you want to see a change in the world you have to change yourself 
Mm. Uh, only by you, the ripples you create can there be a butterfly effect eventually. And if we all start to look in and go, well, I'm the problem, uh, even though we're not, we're not always the problem, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We can change communities. We can change, we can change the whole system, right? Um, you know, from, from cleaning up your local area because it's important and wildlife, you know, we have to coexist in the world um, all the way to um, watching your own mind and seeing in what ways you negatively react to external stimuli. Um, I am, because I'm so wrathful, um, <laughs> whenever there's something going on in the world, and there's always something going on in the world, I I choose violence before anything else. And that's something I'm working on. Yeah. Uh, sometimes utilizing that violence. Um, but for example, these days, the cost of living, at least here in the UK, is is getting ridiculous. And the the difference between the richest and the poorest makes me want to burn everything down. Yeah. Um, now, I'm not going to start a revolution, but I'll join it if it starts. Mm -hmm. So be the change that you want in the world. What, what change is needed? Well, systemically, a lot. So sign petitions, um, get rallies together, uh join your community or or make a community that will fight the issues mm. uh, i mean we don't have like issues of indigenous people here in the uk so i can't really talk on on that front but i know that that is a huge problem in many parts of the world um why aren't you doing something about it and i'm speaking to the listeners right now. why why aren't you doing something about it when you know there's an issue and it's an issue you don't yeah. Yeah. Would, would you say these kinds of things? Because I, I think so much you know, when people hear the word spirituality, you know, I think that just because of the way that these things are presented in uh, you know, like pop cultural kinds of situations, you know, who knows where, where, you know, where, but wherever that word seems to come up in conversation, I think that a good number of people, not everybody, but a good number of people, when they hear the word spirituality or spirituality or spiritual practice, they hear these things, they, they immediately envision um, you know, like say like a magical practitioner sitting in front of their altar lighting candles and chanting or someone, um, you know, sitting in the middle of, um, you know, like sitting in lotus position and do, you know, doing, doing, you know, their mantras and things, right? Their, their, their um, prayers and things, you know, I, but in a lot of what you were saying though, I think, you know, like, like go out and protest, you know, donate to the yep. cause and get up and speak. Like, I, would you say that those kinds of things, those also can absolutely be a component of spiritual practice? I, I don't like, I don't like the, the Western idea of breaking reality up into chunks. Mm -hmm. uh, now, it's very useful to, you know, say, okay, well, this is your mind and this is your emotion and this is the physical and this is the spiritual. Uh, in certain points, mm -hmm. uh, it is useful because you are, compartmentalizing the issues right but in reality there's no separation mm -hmm. just like there's no separation between you and i just like i am entirely the bird that's singing outside my window right now um and the air that i'm breathing and there's no separation between me and those things mm -hmm. so to say that spirituality stops at the subtle levels is like saying that pasta stops at the smell not even the taste yeah uh, no <laughs> yeah 
well it's very important in 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 communities and particularly as uh professional practitioners people who mentor people who teach that Mm -hmm. we we impart upon our listeners and those who 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 take us seriously that spirituality and reality are not different Mm -hmm. um I was actually, so, so I'm teaching a Conjuring Root Work course right now. Um, mm-hmm. And last night I had us all watch a documentary. And in that documentary, one of the leaders of the community of Conjuring Root Work in New Orleans, um, she's technically a, a monbo. She was talking about how um, there's no difference. It's just there's the invisible world and the physical world and they mirror each other and to separate them is to remove oneself entirely from spirit but you can't really do that because it's always going to be there so as ethical and professional practitioners uh what might you have to say for for us and you know what are our responsibilities to support our communities through difficult times you know in 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 New Orleans, they work with a lot of voodoo practitioners when hurricanes come mm-hmm. um, and everyone bands together and tries to, to get these things going. So what would you say um, is our responsibility to maintain those things when hard times come around? Well, my initial thought is uh, educating yourself and others um because again that that view that that understanding of reality is really really important um and because there's no separation between the self and the world you know this microcosm and micro uh, macrocosm um removing misconceptions is really it's it's the it's the major part right it's um how can how can we help well by transforming what you are is the best but if you're if you want to do more of a community get together um so my my approach is through puja um which if you take it at it at its base value is kind of just worship you know you have this deity in front of you and you're giving offerings um which is not untrue, but together, or you can you can sort of get together and do puja together. And what you're really doing is identifying as that being, that deity, that universal force. Let's say, for example, justice, because this is this is big at the moment. Um, you are yeah. taking into yourself a perfectly just identity and merging with that. So um, we often talk about with within. Um, conjure and and root work. You've got um, uh, being mounted by spirits, being ridden by spirits. So yeah. it's it's the same concept within the Himalayas because there's a sort of tantra and the shamanism are not separate. They are one one and the same. They're just different views on the same thing. Um, so you would take a spirit into yourself, and they would act through you, just in the same way that in tantra you take the identity of the buddha or the um the deva the the deity 
and you act upon the world through the power of that deity. Yes. So communally, you can all take in, I don't know, Tara because of compassion or uh, Kali because you need to destroy everything and start again, right? So you'll, you'll take in this this form of Kali that is utterly destructive and will remove the demons from your life and the life of the people around you. And you do that communally by uh, creating a mandala, a huge tapestry of the universe as seen through through Kali and you give offerings to that mandala and eventually through the the use of mantra, recitation, visualization and things, you merge with the deity um, and thereafter act upon the world not in a sort of magic wash your hands you're done but in a he is now me and i am now her and through her i am acting so you know if we're talking destructive the destructive form of kali you might go rioting i don't suggest that but it's a it's a way right yeah yeah um, so that's that's what i would do in a grouping let's let's do puja together it feels like you're just giving an offering, but in reality, you're changing the core identification of yourself. Uh, so then you can act on the world properly, entirely. Well, and that that leads me down to another a point that that I want to kind of bring up is like, there's this huge focus in the newer communities, uh, the, the younger generation. And when I say younger, I mean people who are new to a spiritual practice and they they hyper fixate on deity work deity work deity work deity work deity work and they fail to realize that when you're working with a deity you're not just oh i got the statue and i go out to shops in a manic state and buy things that i think are pretty but i'm being told or from my you know my spirit wants um, mm -hmm. instead if you are just, you know, my experience using, or I, I walk with Hecate, we work with, I, I walk and work with Hecate. It is my duty to represent her in the world, in the community, which means sometimes I have to bring that wrathful, brimo, destructive force with me. But then there are other times where we ha I have to bring that guide, that Enodia aspect, that Phosphorus aspect, that Sotera aspect, and, and, and I have to embody that. We have to embody that. And people don't realize that if you're going to be working or, or claiming these deities, you don't just get to pick one facet of them and that stays at home on their altar and you only acknowledge it when you need something. If you're truly mm -hmm. working with these spirits and you're walking with them, you embody them and they embody you. And in conjuring root work, that is also a huge aspect with the ancestors. You venerate these ancestors, you sit with these ancestors and they are you and you are them. And so when you go out into the world and you know, you present yourself in a manner that is dishonorable to them, or you're mm -hmm. trying to make change, then you're not going to necessarily see that. I mean, I had that experience this week. I was in a particularly vile mood and I had not taken my medication, but you know, that's not an excuse for me. I, I have coping mechanisms and I sat with my spirits the next day and I said, you know, I'm sorry for the way I acted. 
that was not in accordance with you. That was not in accordance with what we want to represent in this world. And I got a very, a very good, like, thank you for the apology. Be better, but do, do more work to represent us better today. And they're not going to cling to those old things. They're going to go, yes, that happened. Let's move forward. And as a community, that's what we have to do is if we want to bring justice to a community, then we need to embody that spirit of justice. It just can't be, oh, I lit a yellow candle and now I'm done. You have to embody it and be it. Otherwise, you're never really going to see any effective change or uh, manifestation of that in the physical world. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. I can be, I can be smart. <laughs> no, 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 no one has ever questioned your ability to be. No, I don't think anyone has. Yeah, we're we're not questioning your the your intelligence. It's the uh, the volume of your voice that often gets you in trouble. Um, I'm a loud bitch. Yeah, yeah it's only because people don't like to be told the truth. It's beautiful lies are so much nicer than painful truths. Mystic yeah. Malachi gets me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 very true. But no, really, I am loud. You know, I, I, when, when you're when you've done opera and performing arts your entire life, like you, you, you're just a loud bitch. It's a thing. I, I, have, I, have a, I have a feeling that you were loud before you started to do those things. I was always um, a loud and, kid, and, yeah. and then I got classical training, and it just got worse. Gotcha. Ugh. Okay. Hey, well, I can be quiet. <laughs> I can be soft. All right. Well, I, we don't we don't want to keep you t too much longer, uh, Mystic Malachi. We we just you know thank thank you so much once again. It's it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, and uh, but I did did want to maybe before we 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 sign off, um, want to ask you, um, you know we we mentioned at the beginning of the episode we've had you on the podcast before, uh, but it's been a minute, and I know that in the time that we uh, you know that has kind of past since you were last on we we've got you know some different people who are now listening to the podcast so can you tell us a little bit with all that you've shared um today can you tell us a little bit kind of more about um you know whatever you'd like to share your personal practice um and and then beyond that you know what it is that you that you do i would love for our listeners to actually become more uh more acquainted with you and your work um you know if there's any if you have any kind of upcoming I don't know, classes, anything that you've got going on, or even just, just sharing some of your, your social media um, links and things. I would just, I would love everybody to become a bit more familiar with you. Thank you. I appreciate it, like, a lot. Um, I'm actually doing a huge shakeup of my, uh, I, I say I'm doing, I'm saying it in the present because that way it might happen. Um, <laughs> doing a huge shakeup of social media and everything um because i don't I haven't been talking about the fact that i'm a personal trainer and yoga instructor as well as practitioner yeah uh, of mantra and, and buddhism and um uh himalayan shamanism so um i do have i am setting up a patreon so i can teach what i'm teaching on a regular basis uh, and it would be like you could choose to do just the sort of gym based yoga physical side as well as the uh mystica esoteric tantra side or both mm. uh, which is a kind of depending on the package that you like depending what what you follow me for kind of thing um but i also have a tantra 101 essentially course coming out soon uh, sort of covering what Tantra is as well as loads of practices. So it's like a 
uh, an eight week and six of those weeks will be practical um, aspects to it. So there's like lots of learning and doing like understanding through doing it, um, which I'm really excited for. Uh, But it's such a deep topic that I'm trying to figure out what to omit. Otherwise, Hmm. it's going to end up being a 10, 12 week instead of, um, no, I need to keep it. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, all of that. All of that and more readings and Reiki and all sorts. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. Well, so I mean, in the meantime, and until since because from the sound of it, the Patreon's coming. It's going to be available <laughs> soon. Is there is there anywhere else that uh, that people can find you? Kind of yeah. Kind of in the meantime, until you've got all of those pieces up and working. Um, ideally TikTok, although that's looking like I'm going to have to shift somewhere else, um, especially for US followers. Um, so TikTok as Mystic Malachi, um, Mystic as in the way you spell it, Malachi is, uh, M-A-K-A-L-A-I. Um, and that is the same for Instagram as well. I'll probably be starting a podcast eventually. I've been talking about it for like two, three years and nice. okay, they will not done it. Um, and possibly a YouTube, but my life is chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. So, and we'll we'll make sure we'll we'll uh, we'll add your uh, the the links that you just shared. We'll make sure we add those to the, the podcast when we get it uploaded. Um, I yeah. just followed Mystic Malachi on Instagram. Yeah, I think I think we're oh, amazing. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> I think I think the shop is 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 has been following uh, them for a while now. Actually, yes. Um. So okay. All right. Well, I want I the... want Mystic Malachi to be my personal trainer. The... <laughs> we'll just we'll have to we'll have to make that. Uh, what would, what would that be? That a nine-hour flight? We'll have to make a nine-hour flight. Yeah, we'll to the, well, the, the UK. I do online coaching, so I tell you what oh. to do, and you upload videos to make sure that your form is right. And I go, yes, good, and no, do better. Oh. Um, and also, I I like to incorporate um that sort of psychological, philosophical side into the training. So, are you drinking your water today? What have you eaten? As well as um, why you're doing this technique? Breathe this way. Um, what do you have in your mind while you're doing this exercise? Actually, focus on this because it's more important, etc. Yeah, I think that's great, and that's, it's good to know that that that, that is an option because um, you know <laughs> many of our listeners are you know they're they're kind of scattered all over the world, so so it's nice to know that they can connect with you in that way, you know, um, to, to do that same kind of work. That's that's amazing. So, well, all right. Well, is there anything else that you would like to to share with us today before we before we go? Um, no, just, okay. I'd love to come back one day. <laughs> well, absolutely. Of course. Well, we will absolutely have on, on having you back on. And, and as you have new developments and things going on with, with your mini ventures, let us know and we can help you to promote those. And, uh, yeah, Thank you. yeah, I think that's amazing. Really yeah. That. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of mentioned at the, and I'm, I'm in, you know, in at the risk of sounding you know, like, like a fanboy now, I, yeah, I mentioned kind of at the beginning of the episode that we, um, you know, I really value your voice. Uh, you know, and the way that you, you know, the way that you kind of share information, the way that you kind of put yourself out there, um, you know, uh, in, in the many different things that you do. And so, uh, yeah, so the, the, yeah, getting, getting the opportunity to talk with you again in future is, is always going to be something I look forward to. Um, that means a huge amount to me. Thank you so much. I, I can't say, uh, I, I'm constantly following you guys, um, your podcast, is weekly and I devour it the second it comes out, apart from the last one because I'm saving it for tomorrow because I've got to cycle to work. Ah, okay. 
<laughs> okay, well, yeah, so this episode, we, we've had to um, record this one a, a bit earlier than we normally would. We typically record on Thursday evenings, but um, but because of the time zone difference, we wanted, you know, we wanted to make sure that we could do this in a time that wasn't going to be too terribly inconvenient for you. So, yeah, so this episode will actually end up being posted uh, next, this this coming Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I know I know our listeners are gonna are gonna really like this. Yeah. They're gonna love this episode. Well, there's there's lots of good information, and I just yeah. I I'm I'm really vibing with Mystic Malachi's um, vibing. Yes, okay. I'm vibing right. with Mystic Malachi's wrathful compassion. Yes, and I'm just like <laughs> because because I'm always told you need to be more compassionate. I'm like I am compassionate. I'm just very. Well, I, guess, no, I, I think the challenge there is 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 the wrathful compassion is a good thing. Where in the past you and I have had that discussion, it's because you've leaned a bit more into the wrathfulness and less into the compassion. <laughs> Sometimes bitches just need to get hit. Okay, that's, yeah, that, that's very true. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, once again, thank you so much. We're gonna we're gonna go ahead. We're gonna call thank this you. an episode. All right. Once again, and like I said, we'll we'll make sure people have uh, have some information so that they can follow up with you. Yeah. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Take care. So that was an another awesome conversation uh, with Mystic Malachi. I love Mystic um, Malachi. Yeah, very just smart. Yes, and 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 the real deal too, which is nice because it's very easy. I think sometimes for uh, people kind of within our community to you know to talk a really big game, um, you know. But uh, this is somebody who is really doing it yeah you know which i which i i love i love to i love to see that love to hear that uh, so we do have a couple of um kind of random listener questions okay um I, I apologize to this listener we were going to answer these last week uh on our um episode with jasper we we kind of got um we'll just say that episode ended up running a bit long so um so we kind of reserved these for this this week's episode so um so these questions come from caitlin okay um First of all, they uh, they mentioned that we we talk a lot on uh, the podcast about vetting uh, readers and psychics. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that before, and it's something that we kind of touch upon again and again um, because it's an important thing to talk about. Yes, there are a lot of people out there who think now that you you just need to go out and buy a deck of tarot cards or buy a pendulum or uh, you know wrap a scarf around your head and proclaim yourself a medium, and bam, you're a psychic, you're a reader, and you're doing this for people. And that's not at all how it works. No. Um, so if you are one of those people, please stop. Or please take the time to actually invest in a legitimate spiritual practice. Do the work that you need to do to learn and grow, not only in your skills as a psychic and as a reader, but also personally make sure that you're doing your personal work. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's a huge component uh, of what you need to do before you start to put yourself in a position to help other people to do that work. Most definitely. So question, um, how do you make sure that, or how, how can you vet your readers to make sure that you don't get taken advantage of by, by frauds and charlatans? Um, and they would like, I guess, some specific things uh, to, to do that you can do to actually to do this. Um, particularly, I think, that, and they do clarify when you're not really um, a part of a community or you don't really have a, 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 a noticeable or recognizable spiritual, alternative spiritual community around you where it could be difficult to find, just, just in general, just to find practitioners, mm-hmm. you know, let alone like, like good, you know, actually, yes, they are real practitioners. Um, so do you have any, any tips on that, Austin? Um, 
the first thing is you need to, you need to, you need to know who you're who you're getting a reading from. So if you're getting a reading from someone who's claiming to be XYZ, then you need to make sure you do your due diligence to Google a couple of those things, especially if you don't know what they are. You know, if you're sitting down and someone's claiming to be a Muneki shaman, Celtic practitioner, seether, which is crap, which is bullshit, you need to do your due diligence to research that and go, okay, well, what is this? How is this? How legitimate is this? On top of that, you really do need to make sure, and this is going to sound really, really weird, but pricing is a dead giveaway. If someone is selling a 20 minute reading for $300 that's that's a little absurd um again you need to make sure that you're checking this with the areas that you're in but also the areas that you're getting uh, that this reader is based you know if you're getting a reading from someone uh, from a psychic in California it's obviously going to be much more expensive because they are they've priced themselves accordingly so they can live there whereas if you're getting a reading from someone we'll just say here in Utah and they're charging 150 for a 20 minute reading that's that's a little absurd that's a little absurd and that's kind of one of the big red flags how many times have you had people come in and say I paid thousands of dollars for this reading and all they did was tell me that I'm cursed or vice versa I paid thousands of dollars for this reading and they told me that I have all these spiritual gifts and all this stuff and da 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 but then they didn't elaborate or proceed to give me any information I could use to grow there. Mm-hmm. You know? That, that happens a lot. We hear that from a lot of people. Um, so getting back to the the practical pieces there. So you mentioned, yes, when you when you become aware of someone, a practitioner of, of any kind, that is is offering services professionally, um, when you talk about, you mentioned Austin, you need to know who these people are. I, I guess in, in following up on that or clarifying that, that doesn't mean that you need to obviously, you know, befriend these people no, and, establish, and establish personal connections with them. You don't want to do that because if you try to, if you, if you get to the point where you become a personal connection or even beyond that, you know, a friend to someone who is doing that kind of work for you, they're not going to be able to effectively do that kind of work for you anymore. You know, um, you, re- you really, I mean, logically, it would make sense, right? That if someone is your best friend and they know all the details of your life, right? Because you just readily share that information with them. They're there. They, you know, they, they, they are a component of your life in that way. That person is obviously not going to be working fully for you as a psychic when you go and get them, get a reading with them and you're asking them questions about your personal life, right? They're like, well, I can't really read for you in this capacity anymore because I just logically, I just know these things because I know you, I am your friend, right? So yeah, so you don't want to get to know your psychics and the practitioners you would work with in that capacity. It is very important to maintain a professional kind of a, of a, of a, of a detachment there. Um, and the same could be said for practitioners. Do not befriend your clients for God's sake. That is that is such an ethical nightmare, and um, and it gets so difficult. I think with some people to be able to assert a professional boundary once you've crossed that line, you, mm-hmm. just, you can't do it. Don't do it. Um, but you mentioned Google, right? Um, so most people who have been doing work professionally for a time 
will have had the opportunity to cultivate a, a, a selection of clientele who are willing to provide testimonials. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, are they, you know, have they even, even without something like testimonials, like, you know, when they, uh, you know, do, do they have a social media presence that seems legitimate? You know, do they have a, you know, a website that you can easily track down? You know, um, you know, do are they making the effort to actually to, to put themselves out there as a professional? Yeah. Right. Or is this like just some weird like back alley, like you get someone's phone number from someone, from someone, from someone and you call this person and they're like, oh, yeah, well, just come and meet me in my house. And it's like, OK, I'm probably going to question that person's professionalism mm-hmm. at that point. Right. Um so look for these things, and in the process of contacting a practitioner, if they ever give you grief, if they are ever difficult with you because you ask if you if they can provide testimonials from other clients and things, they get weird with you about that. That that's your first red flag. That is yeah. your first sign. I do not want to work with this person. Yeah. Uh, another thing that is a dead giveaway if you're doing research on your um, practitioner to make sure that they're legit is. What kind of things are they claiming they can do? And do these things clash, clash with each other? You oh, you know? mentioned that too a moment ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you have someone who um, is claiming to be, you know, someone who's claiming to be a Haitian voodoo practitioner priestess, but then also is a Nordic sather, those two things don't go together. Yeah, you can't do both of those. And that's also another red sign, you know, uh, red, red sign, red flag. So those are the types of things you need to look into. There's one particular prime example, prime example. Um, and I'm not going to mention names, not like, not like they listen to us, not like they're even a part of our community. They don't even live in Utah. Um, but it's someone that claims to be, holds seven certificate 35 different certifications in all these other spiritual practices practices and you cannot be a certified shaman like there's no certification for a shaman just like there's not a certification for being a witch there's not a certification for being a wiccan high priestess there's there's no certification involved in that and there's no certification for um as far as i'm aware for psychic work even even like you see things online where they're like get certified as a tarot card reader and that's crap that is that's all nonsense there's no certification for these things and there are organizations out there that will sell certificates like you can basically go online pay god knows how much you know take a real quick yes or no little little essay on their website and they will mail you a certificate uh but that is that's paper and ink there's no there's nothing there there's nothing real there and most of these organizations like the world metaphysical association these kinds of organizations they they don't have any true accreditation there there's no way to to accredit organizations like this so if you're somebody who loves to collect certifications wonderful but those mean absolutely nothing yeah Unless you have actually gone to a college or a university or some other legitimate accredited school, you've just got a fancy piece of paper that you can now hang on a wall. Yeah. 
you know, there are certain things that you can get certified in. I mean, obviously Reiki is one of those things. You have to have a cert, uh, you have to go through the levels of initiation, uh, in order to practice on other people professionally, you have to be minimum level two. Um, but that, that's, but that's different though, because I think we, we talk about accreditation and certification for things like Reiki. Mm -hmm. And while that is, is something that yes, that you can absolutely do. That to me has, I think in looking at how that really works, that has more to do with being able to clearly map the line of your teacher yes. back to, okay, the origination of these practices. And, and that's what it is. Um, if you are a Reiki practitioner and your Reiki certification mm -hmm. doesn't have the lineage of your teacher and you on mm -hmm. it, then it's not yeah. legitimate. But that's another way potentially to vet people. Like yeah. if you're meeting with someone and they're telling you like, oh, I do this. And it's something that you can see is like, you know, by doing maybe again, kind of another search, right? You can say like, oh, this is, this is, does seem like this is a legitimate practice. This isn't just some bullshit nonsense that somebody pulled out of their ass to make themselves seem like a special, who knows what they are, right? Mm -hmm. um, you can, you can track down, okay, they say they do this. Do other people do this? Yes, they do. So where do these people learn to do this? Mm -hmm. Beyond that, um, you can contact that pr practitioner and say, oh, I understand that you're claiming you have certification in this or that you've been trained in this. Can you give me the information for your teacher yeah. so that I can contact this person so that I can see maybe who they are and, and maybe trace that back a few practitioners, a few generations, right? Uh, because if they're, if they're fake, if they're not le legitimate in what they're saying they can do for you, if they're claiming that they have those kinds of certifications and, and trainings and things, they, they need to be able to back that shit up. Yeah. If they can't, you, you know, right there, that person is full of shit. Yep. Um, yeah, so that would be another way. Yeah. And that is certainly how that w could work very effectively with Reiki. Um, just as the example that you made, Austin, there are so many people out there claiming that they are Reiki practitioners when they're not, um, you know, and because of the popularity of Reiki, and this is going to piss off maybe a lot of people who listen to the podcast that do Reiki, uh, but because of the popularity of Reiki, it has become so easy for people out there who are fakes and con artists, charlatans, to pull some bullshit like, well, I practice Holy Jesus Messiah Angel Reiki. Or I saw one a couple weeks ago that's like, I practice Odin Reiki. And I'm like, these don't exist. These don't exist. These are not real fucking things. Try again. Try again. Um, but because people don't know... Mm -hmm. And they, they don't know where or, or have the incentive to research these things. They just go, oh, okay. Yeah. And they don't realize in the process of doing that, that you are now putting yourself in the hands of somebody that could, one, like energetically harm you. Yep. Two, physically harm you. Right. And I'm, when I say physically harm you, I'm not even talking about like actually like harming your physical body. I'm talking like that you could be dealing with someone who is is just legitimately like these people could be who knows, like sexual predators. Mm hmm. These, these could be really fucked up situations. Yeah. And you're now, you've now found yourself in a very quiet, isolated space with someone that could really, could harm you in a lot of different ways. So yeah. you, you, you need to love and care about yourself enough to research the people that you would work yeah. with. Le legitimate, just, just to add to that, legitimate paths of Reiki all start with traditional Isui. Um, like with Blue Fire Reiki, which is something that I teach, something I practice, in order for you to do that, you have to be initiated and attuned to traditional Isui Reiki. You have to. There's no way around it. Um, and anyone who's claiming otherwise, um, that's that should be a red flag. Um, 
so yeah, another red flag, uh, or not a red flag, but something to look out for. And this is going to sound really weird coming from me, but how long have they been doing this professionally? You know, and I, and I know that there's people out there who's like, well, I'm a legitimate, I'm a legitimate psychic, and I've only been doing it for a year. And that's like, okay, great. But how long were you actually studying and practicing beforehand mm-hmm. before you decided to make yourself uh, a, a public professional practitioner? Um, I. It wasn't in, so I, I started reading professionally and working professionally as a psychic at 16. And the only reason I did that was because I was already working in a metaphysical shop. I had already been reading tarot, oracle, uh, doing mediumship sessions, offering spiritual services from, from a young age because that's what my family did. Mm-hmm. And that's just what we did. And so at 16, when I was approached, by the owner of the metaphysical shop I was working at, like, hey, would you mind doing readings? We've had people coming in, and we don't, we've never really had that, but could you do it? I said, yeah, I could do it, because I had. I had practiced on not just my friends, but family, and I had gone and I had done some other things, and I had done a couple of private parties. You know, my parents would always, like, if they had people over, my mom always liked to pull out me as a party trick. Um, and so I've been, I'd already been doing it for a while. And so for you, uh, if you're looking for that, I would say go with a person of 20 years experience in practice that's legitimate and verified um, versus the person who just picked up a deck of cards six months ago and decided that's what they need to do with their life. Yeah. Well, and that can be difficult. And I, you know, and I'm not um, I'm not trying to contradict you at all, Austin, because I was also at the age of 16 working as a psychic mm-hmm. although my 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 first professional gig as a psychic uh, was working on a psychic hotline which was hell and i would never ever recommend it anybody who listens to this and you're looking for a way to break into the psychic industry you know uh yeah avoid the psychic hotlines like the plague uh because even if you are a real psychic uh the place that you're working for yeah they're they're not yeah they're not going to bend they don't care and all they want is the money the money the money the money and they're going to treat you and the people that you read for like shit to make money that's that's how they work it's a psychic hotline um and i can speak to that from direct personal experience uh but i having said that i i want to say that i support what you just said austin in that it would be better for you i think to work with someone who has several years of experience um, over someone that is, you know, this is going to sound really shitty, okay, but in the past, on the rare occasion where I've actually gone to go, like, I've, I've gone to see someone for a reading, I'll go into a shop, and I don't do this very often, but I'll go and I'll, I'll actually meet with another practitioner for a reading. If I go into that shop and I'm learning about their psychics and the person that they, I see, you know, on the wall in their in their room doing the reads i can look and i can tell that that person is like maybe 18 19 years of age i'm not going to meet with that person Mm -hmm. i'm not going to let that person read for me on average i'm not saying there aren't exceptions to this because there's always an exception right but i'm not going to meet with that person and to be honest it's not because that person that i would that i would doubt their psychic gifts because they they there are like five and six year old children that are powerfully psychic you know, so it's got nothing to do with the age in that in that situation. It's the experience. Yes, and, and, and life experience. And yes, life experience. An eighteen-year-old person, on average, is not going to be able to look at not only their life but the average lives of the other people in their world, um, and and to be able to provide, I think, good, common sense, reliable 
kinds of information mm-hmm. to support what they are picking up on psychically. Yeah. They just they just have not had the the life experience, the scope to be able to do that as effectively. Yeah. So you know, like I said, this might make me sound like a dick and you know, and maybe a hypocrite because I like I said, I was doing this work at it as a teenager, but don't don't go and meet with with a, a young young person because even if they're psychic, they're not going to have those other things going on. You're going to get half of a reading. Um, well, and that and that's one thing I will say as as a as a young reader, it was hard for me to build clientele. You know, because because you're dealing with people like me. Because well, I, not just like, people you're like a you. Kid. I'm not going to sit with well, you. Well, yes, but you know that's why that's when I started to really rely on. Uh, that's when I really developed my mediumship skills. And that's how we started marketing me was I'm a medium. So people would come and want to talk to the dead people. They'd, they'd want to talk to their past loved ones. Um, and then tarot was pretty straightforward because I just was like, this is what the cards are saying. And I would just interpret it as is. Um, whereas now that I'm a little older, a little wiser, have a little bit more experience, um, when people come and see me, I can lay out the cards and I can go, okay, so here's what I'm seeing. This is kind of what I'm feeling and here's some you know practical things you could do to take away with you when I was 16 I wouldn't have known what to do with someone who was coming and getting a reading about a divorce exactly yeah exactly like yeah or like a divorce serious illness somebody who's looking at I'm trying to think of some of the more extreme things I've had over the years someone who is is juggling multiple affairs someone who is pregnant but considering an abortion right I mean yeah you're you're not going to have what you need to be able to really help those people as, as a teenager. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no shame in that. No. Um, but you are not going to be able to give them a more in-depth reading, which is why a lot of people who came to see me were usually younger people from from just all around. Well, and that I think that would be okay because typically, like, again, if you're like a teenager and you're going to a teenager for a reading, you know, I keep saying teenager and I guess I should qualify that. You know, if you're going to, say you're 15 and you're getting your first reading... You know, and the person that you find yourself sitting there with is like what, like you know, seventeen, eighteen years of age, right? You know, they're just a little bit older than you. Then that that might actually be okay because at fifteen years of age, you're most likely not going to have these huge life-altering kinds of problems, right? Like your your biggest, I, I would say, the average teenager is, you know, at that at that age is going to be like, you know, am I going to do well on my school exams? You know, should I join the cheerleading team? You know, um, you know, I, you know, I, it's not that not that young people don't have other problems; they certainly do, but. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, one other thing I wanted to mention uh, was um, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. I, you know, I, the last thing I ever want to do is, is is you know intentionally piss someone off. Although I realize I think on our podcast we do that probably quite a bit um, because we're we're mouthy and we're opinionated, we're salty. Uh, but one other thing that I've I've found has been helpful over the years is to. Um, if you contact someone in the process of trying to figure out if someone that you've become aware of is a reliable, an authentic, a legitimate practitioner, someone you want to work with, in contacting that person, if they start to try to like interview you, that's also a huge red flag. Yeah. You know, if you contact a psychic to schedule an appointment and they're, you know, on that first interaction, they're like, well, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? That is a huge like, oh, no. No, no, I'm not working with you. You're trying to cold me, me, cold read me already before I've mm-hmm. even actually met you for a reading. You are already in the process of cold reading me. You are already 
priming me to, for information so that when I show up for my reading, you're already going to have half of what you need to be able to to extrapolate on your, you know, quote unquote, psychic ability, right? And what you're going to be able to read psychically, right? So that's another big one. Um, and if you are someone listening to this and you do psychic work and you're someone who's gotten into the habit of asking your clients a lot of questions for validation of information or just, you know, sniffing them out, stop it. That is hugely unethical. And those, the rest of us in the community who actually are doing legitimate psychic work would, would really appreciate it if you would stop giving all of us a black eye mm-hmm. with that behavior. Yeah. I, I, as a professional psychic, the first thing I'm going to ask you when you sit down in front of me is, what, I'm, what am I reading on for you today? And most of the time, everyone comes back with, whatever shows up. And then that's where I go, are you sure? Because there's a bigger thing that you want to talk about and you're just trying to test me to see if you want me to see if I can get it. And if you want me to, I can do that. But that's not always how spirit works Mm -hmm. because I could pull cards and the big thing that's at the forefront of your mind is not going to be what spirit wants to wants to read you about. Mm -hmm. So are you sure you want to leave that door open? Usually they'll then define the question. Um, During a reading, I, I, I do say, does that make sense? A lot because sometimes I, I, that is more for them because I want to make sure that I'm relaying the information in a way that is um, not through. But that's another piece that takes us back to where you are at in your skills as a reader. Yes. Because if you have the skills that you should have to be doing that work professionally, you should have developed the ability to relay information over the course of a reading in ways that are not going to be super confusing and esoteric. Exactly. And z- exactly. So usually the, does that make sense is if they have a weird look on their face. Well, and that's always yeah. possible, right? Because sometimes people just, you know, they just don't understand yeah. those things, right? That, that though, that kind of leads me to another thing to be mindful of in looking at vetting your practitioners, people that you would be, be working with. Um, you know, if, in, in getting to know that person, in researching them, you know, the information that they're putting forward, uh, you know, to support their gifts or their abilities is all information that's like, well, I channel messages from the divine or I, I, I get direct communication from your angels or, you know, whatever it may be. That That's also a pretty clear sign that the person that you're talking to or looking into is full of shit. Yeah. You know, my spirits don't want to talk to they're you. All, they're already in the process of doing that. What they're doing is they've already set you up to be unable to actually verify any of the th- shit that they're yeah. going to tell you. Because it's all just channeled from the divine, right? And nobody can really confirm any of that, right? Nobody knows where the hell that's coming from. Um, so that's another thing to be mindful of. Um, research other things too, back to perhaps maybe the conversation Austin had a moment ago about like the titles that people will use or the way that they'll define their work. Research something. Like I saw this the other day on some social media platform. Someone was doing twin flame readings. Gross. You know, um, if somebody is putting themselves out there as a twin flame reader, or um, say somebody that does, um, was another one I saw recently, twin flame readings. Um, Oh, or people, now that uh, people have kind of gotten wise to the reality that you can't just call yourself a shaman. Uh-huh. Um, so instead they come up with these other interesting things like I'm a shadow walker and shit like that. D- do yourself a favor and research that shit. Go online and do a research on what do people think about Twin Flames? Where Where is the origination? Where is the root of Twin Flame belief in spiritual practice? I'll give you a hint. What, it's from what, a cult. What the fuck is, sh- is a shadow walker? 
you know, um, and go to multiple sources, go to multiple sources and not just woo woo new age lightworker websites for the shit, because those websites, if it's anything to do with new age, they're going to lie to you. They will lie to you in your face and not care because they're the new Christians and all they want is your money. Um, so, uh, so do some research into those things as well. And if you can find information and if you dig, if you research well enough, you will, like the example I made of Twin Flames in particular, you're going to find information out there that's going to tell you exactly where those culty New Age ideologies around Twin Flames come from. And it's all crap. You can see quite clearly from the web, like this is all crap. This is rooted in the belief of a late 1900s cult. And it was all about politics and money, politics and money. Um, and, and pedophilia. Yeah, well, probably, there's probably some of that as well, yeah. Um so if it if it basically if the modality if the name that they call themselves is something that's like this is really weird and something that I haven't really heard of before that also potentially could be a red flag. Yeah. That could also just be a sign for you like if you don't if someone's claiming to be like you know all these titles and like saying and you're like what versus the person who's like I read tarot cards. I'm a tarot reader. Yeah. Go with the one that you know. Yes. Go with the one that's like, oh, I know what tarot is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that. Oh, you know another one that really bugged me the other day? Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was now. Um, New Agers do this. They use the word quantum in front of everything. Like, I do quantum NLP. I do quantum yoga. I do quantum mediumship. I do. They just they put the word quantum in front of everything, which is dumb to me and further evidence that none of them actually have any idea around what like actual scientific theory is or physical law is. They're none of them actually bother to learn any of that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another huge red flag. If you're going to work with anybody and they use terminology like quantum, you know, that right there is also telling you you're a bullshit artist and no, I'm not going to give you my money or my time. Um, I read quantum tarot. Yes, I'm a quantum tarot card reader. It's like, well, what does that mean? It means I read from the um, quantum tarot deck. You know, exactly. I actually think there's a quantum tarot I'm deck. I'm sure there is because these idiots make quantum everything now. Um, yeah, they've, they've really populated, or, or, you know, the, the new age community with that, that, that kind of terminology. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's upsetting. It's ridiculous. Um, anyway, so those are just a few... I think um, really good from two people who work as professional, have worked as professional psychics. Those are going to be very good, very reliable sources of information or ways that you can remember. Like these are ways to vet. These are ways to make sure I'm working with someone who is, is the real deal. Yes. Um, so, all right. The only other question that this person had was, do we have or would we consider create, creating a discord uh, or some other sort of online community, even something comparable to like, to say like Patreon? Um, and it's interesting that because we actually, the, the podcast does have a Patreon. Um, we set one up, but I, we, we've done nothing with it. And, uh, for the same reason that we, we've not really considered creating, uh, something like a discord or some other sort of online community because we, we don't have the time. Um, and I think you're going to find in researching other spiritual practitioners, not always, not always, but if you're researching other practitioners, if this is somebody who has a lot of time to be doing endless promotion, you know, they're, they're constantly, their face is constantly on social media. 
you know, like, like all day I'm talking, like, you know, they're posting shit all day, you know, every, you know, everything is, is promotion. Everything is advertising. Everything is marketing. Everything is YouTube. Everything is discord. Everything is you're, you're dealing with someone like that. That to me tells me that that person can't really be doing a whole lot of real spiritual work. Yeah. So there, there, I mean, there are individuals who, um, like that's just like their, their their brand. That's what they do, you know. Use using for example, chaotic witch on, you know, Frankie. Okay, well, Frankie. Well, okay, but there's 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 a, there, there's, there's a, a distinction there. Yes, though. because Frankie has, you know, Frankie made themselves known doing. Um, but Frankie is, I guess, the distinction is, and you, and I know I cut you off there. I'm sorry. Just to be clear, the distinction there is that Frankie, over the course of the time that they have cultivated an online following with their spiritual work, their witchcraft, their folk magic. Mm -hmm. They did that because they're actually sharing information where they're talking, like they're, they're not just talking about what they're doing. Correct. It's not just, they're educated. It's not just a pretty face on a screen. Like they're actually doing the thing in the the video. Frankie is pretty. They're doing the thing in the, well, yeah, that's why I said that they're, they're doing the thing like, you know, and they're in the, the the video that whatever it is, is instructional in nature. I guess I'm talking to be clear. I'm talking about these people that like, it's just them smiling in front of a camera talking about how great they are are and all the cool things that they can do but they're not really conveying any kind of of information that would really be of value yeah it's all about like look at me i'm amazing and you should pay me a thousand dollars for a 30 minute reading because i'm great yeah you know um and that's that's another thing i'm like no don't don't do it um so again going back to, to what i was saying a moment ago um if if you're dealing with somebody who is constantly doing this that again that makes it very clear that this is somebody who probably does not have regular clientele mm-hmm. they're not really doing anything real off camera because if they were they wouldn't have the time to constantly be online and that's one of the reasons why we don't really do more with things like patreon and discord and things like that is we don't have the time yeah, we, we we have you know if this were our only job if, if all it was was salty witches, then... Oh, we'd have plenty of time. We'd have plenty of time. Yeah. But it's not. I have private clients. Mike has private clients. We have a shop we run. I have product I have to make. Speaking we're of which, I have to... We're constantly teaching. We're constantly we're, teaching. We're mentoring. You yes. and I both have a number of people that we mentor. Yes. You know, we have coven functions. We have... So. we And on top of that, we're trying to balance some semblance of social and family life. Yeah. And, you know, as much as, you know, I could probably take on a little bit more for the patreon um i have other things i need to do yeah well and i think that you and i both recognize that in the process of trying maybe to afford time to do some of those other things we know that that would probably negatively impact the actual spiritual work we're trying to do exactly that and i you know as much as i love the podcast i don't want to monetize it it's something i enjoy doing yeah yeah so um so in answer to your question that's why we don't really have something like that really going um, and why you're really, un- mm-hmm. unfortunately, at least for the foreseeable future, you're probably not likely to see something from, come from us like that. Well, and what what I am going to say is, obviously, you found us via some sort of social media, which means you should know that though the podcast and the um, the shop Cat and Cauldron is separate, we are intermingled. We are we 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 weave together. So if you want more education, you want more things like that. Go follow us on Facebook. Take some of the classes that Mike and I offer. 
through the th- through Cat and Cauldron. We are the owners of that shop, so mm. please, we can offer them online. Yeah. It which ultimately, if you're the type of person who's like, well, I want a Patreon, but I don't want to do a Zoom class, it's the same thing. That's how a Patreon class yeah. would work anyway. Yeah. So yeah. go and look at some of the classes that are upcoming and call the shop get in contact with us and we'll be more than happy to if the class is available online get you set up to take that class online yeah yeah so i don't know anyway one of the managers is getting into the other manager's food so i'm gonna go get it you're good oh yes 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 the podcast management is here today they've they've thankfully been been uh fairly well behaved which which is good because we had uh mystic malachi uh tuning in from from the uk um so I'm thank you kids for being quiet today. Um, all right. Well, I, I think uh, I think we answered those questions pretty well. Uh, you know, one last thing I do want to say about the last one is uh, please understand that that does not mean that somewhere down the line that we won't find the time to maybe to put something like a, a Discord or together or to do something with the Patreon. We it's not that we don't want to do those things. We just have yet to figure out how to add an extra three hours to our day. Yeah, to be able to do that work. Um, you know, and to those of you who hear that, they're like, well, I follow this other creator who does all these things and they're still, you know, all I want to say to that is that some people are fortunate in the fact that they are spiritual practitioners who are married to someone who is all making a lot of money and they don't really have to worry about not only their work, but how they're also going to pay their bills. Um, you know, Austin and I are, we, we work a lot because we have bills to pay. We are trying to afford our lives through the work that we do. Um, and you know, so a lot of the times that you see people who have all of this time to be able to do this thing, these are people who are, are already, for whatever reason, they're independently wealthy. Their, their material needs are being met by other things. Um, you know, or because they've gotten to maybe to a certain level of success, they're able to hire out and to pay marketing firms you know they have a personal assistant they have people who handle their website and their social media feeds for them and that's amazing for them you know if they're doing good work and they deserve that success then wonderful that's wonderful for them but you also then have to look at what happens when the practitioner takes a step away from directly talking about the work that they do right because in in doing that like are you still getting the same direct connection? You know, if you are contacting that psychic to try to schedule a reading, like a well-known, established, professional, you know, you know, famous, maybe we'll say, quote unquote, famous psychic, you know, and you're contacting them, them to try to work with them on that. At that point, you have to realize you're not really working with them anymore. You're working with their minions. Right. Um, and so so you have to you have to be mindful of that as well. Right. Like who whose voice are you actually <coughs> in that moment? Well, also. Just one, another thing. We're just trying to get the last word, aren't you? I'm not trying to get the last word, but like, we're still trying to like, live life. And... What is that? This, exactly. We're still trying to live life and we're still trying to like, maintain some semblance of balance. And as much as we could probably find that time, Mike and I are both people who like, who, who, who like consistency. And so... In order for us to do a Patreon or something like that, we'd want to make it as consistent as possible um, for for our patrons, for the listeners. And so 
until we can figure out how to do that and find that balance, we're not going to go into something half cocked. I don't know how many how many times I've heard from people like, oh, well, I signed up for this Patreon and I'm supposed to be getting something every month, but you know they failed to do it this month, or it's mm-hmm. been three months since I had my last lesson, and then I and I'm paying for this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which again tells you that this other person has probably gotten in over their head. Yeah. So that's that's, that's a very also a very good point. So honestly, it's just Mike and I knowing our knowing our limits at this point, mm-hmm. and it's not that I couldn't push my limits or that Mike couldn't push the limits, but why when we're constantly telling our clients like no you need to stop pushing so hard you actually need to focus on what's happening now you need to focus on these things that you already have going on so that way when there is balance it is found you know we can't walk the walk and talk the talk and not talk the talk as well Mm -hmm. is basically what i'm getting at so there you go last word oh you're not gonna play with me i figured you'd go last word after i went last word oh Last word. 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 Thank you, everyone. Last word. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Hold on. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode. Uh, We will stop being ridiculous now. Uh, Thank you once again to Mystic Malachi for for giving us uh, an hour of your time. You're amazing. And uh, we will be back next week with something. Yeah. Austin? Yeah. Thank you. Happy witching. Last word.